The opinions expressed on the show are that of the guests or host and do not necessarily reflect those of DDP Yoga. Consult your physician before starting any fitness or exercise program. Welcome to Choosing to Change. This is your source for a double dose of inspiration and motivation on the road to transformation. This show shares with you the raw, true stories of others and lessons learned along the way and hopes to help you on your journey. Hey, thanks for hitting the download button and being a part of today's Choosing to Change podcast. My name is Nolan Bobbitt. It's an honor to be your host, and uh, wow, it's amazing to think that we've been at this for almost six months now and not getting tired of it at all. I love providing you a double dose of inspiration and motivation on the road to transformation. Today's story is going to be a little different because I warned you guys a while back, if you've been uh, someone who's just been a part of the DDP Yoga community and you're just wanting to hear DDP Yoga transformation stories, this won't be the episode for you. But I really encourage you, listen to this. This actually may be one of uh, my highlights so far of doing the podcast for sure, but it's also a wealth of information. In fact, Elizabeth and I cover so much ground in this podcast, it may be one that if you're listening while you're driving, you may need to hit pause and wait until you're a place that you can actually take some notes. It's that good. Elizabeth Benton is the founder of Primal Potential, and she does the Primal Potential podcast. And she is someone that listeners of the Choosing to Change podcast who are serious about uh fat loss as a strategy really need to pay attention to the things that she says in this podcast and then they need to the next thing that you need to do is go over and hit the subscribe button and get a hold of all the teachings that Elizabeth has out there so if you can't tell I'm jacked I'm jacked and you're going to hear it as soon as we get into this interview with Miss Primal Potential herself Elizabeth Benton on this interview edition of the Choosing to Change podcast. It's always a pleasure to have on our Thursday shows a guest, and I am excited beyond all belief to bring you today's guest to the Choosing to Change podcast because this person has been someone who has heavily influenced my journey in the last several months, really helped me break through a plateau, uh, even though she doesn't even know that. It's probably the first time she's hearing this. Um uh, after having significant weight loss success and sustained success for a couple of years, went through a job transition and uh, moving from a job where I was on my feet all day, moving a lot, to sitting at a desk where I was not moving, uh, had a significant impact on my journey. And the young lady that's about to come on helped me break through and look at things through a couple of different lenses that really helped me get back on track. And so I'm really grateful for that. And if there is any other podcast that you need to be listening to outside of the Choosing to Change podcast, it is 100% without question the Primal Potential podcast. It's had that much of an impact 
on my life. Uh, you guys can probably go back in several of our episodes and hear content that I've referred to Elizabeth in. But I was so excited a few weeks ago, I reached out to Elizabeth Benton, who is the host of the Primal Potential podcast and has a wealth of information that you can get at primalpotential.com. We'll talk about it more as we go. She has an amazing VIP email list that you'll want to be a part of because this young lady will give you resources that will help you. If you are in a battle with fat loss, this is your new best friend. So Elizabeth has an incredible journey of her own. I never dreamed that she would say yes to doing this podcast, but I reached out and uh, we, uh, a few months ago, we touched base through Instagram. She also has one of the coolest Instagram accounts that you can follow, by the way. And uh, I reached out through email and said, I would love to have you be a guest. And I, I got a response that I've never gotten before. She actually gave me like a voice response. And I'm like, oh, crap, she's just going to be nice and let me down. And it was so cool to hear her response because she made my day and said, I would love to be a guest. And so not only is she a wealth of information and um, what I would consider to be one of the best experts in how to change your eating to get the results that you want. She's not just one of those people that has book smarts, folks. She's actually walked this journey. And there are a lot of people out there that will give you tons of information that they've never had to walk through. It's a completely different animal when that person has had to walk that journey. She knows what it is to go with the ups and downs of fad diets to kill herself into in the gym, trying to get results only to see Uh, temporary success and feel like she had a lot of setbacks and I'm sure she'll get into that in her story Uh, but she is genuinely one of the nicest people that you will ever hear talk through a podcast Uh, I and I'm so excited for her to get in and tell us her story so I know that was a long-winded introduction but Elizabeth Benton welcome to the choosing to change podcast how are you doing today I'm wonderful after that introduction. Geez, I hope I can live up to it. Thank you so much for having me on Choosing to Change. I have no doubt that you will live up to it in spades, and I'm so happy that you've taken the time to be with us. And like I do with all my guests, I'd really the most important question that I'm that I'm about to ask you is the one that I just want you to take as much time as you want. I'd love for you to take us back to the beginning. And just share your journey with us and just share the things, share the type of person that you uh, grew up as, uh, the obstacles that you faced along the way, um, and the things that have made you become the person that you are. And kind of that, that choosing to change moment of where, like I said in the introduction, you know what it is to live the roller coaster of the fad diet and then to lose. And where if you can take us up to that point where things really did change and you've become the Elizabeth Benton that you are today, you know, the host of the Problem Potential podcast, the person that's touching hundreds, if not thousands of lives for significant life change. So uh, with that being said, just jump into your story and share your journey with us if you would. 
Absolutely. So it's it's been a roller coaster ride. I certainly um, don't live a charmed life by any stretch of the imagination. My weight has always been a struggle. And I feel like I, for most of my life, looked up to these fitness experts who seemed like they always had it together. And it's really funny now to host a fat loss and health podcast um, and coach people in fat loss because, you know, in my experience, it seemed to me like all the people kind of talking from the pulpit had never really been in the trenches and really struggled with weight loss. And if I heard another fitness expert be like, well, you know, I lost 15 pounds when I got out of college. It was like, yeah, 15 <laughs> pounds is like, <laughs> I mean, that's like a dream, right? Um, so I was, I was a chubby kid. I was born a heifer. Like I was just a big chunky baby and I was born into a pretty fit, active family. And from a very early age, I'm talking four or five years old, I was acutely aware of the fact that my weight was an issue for my mom. Um, and, and she had good intentions. She wanted me to be healthy, but she also will admit that she felt like having an overweight child was a reflection on her abilities as a parent. And, you know, there weren't a lot of resources and there still aren't a lot of resources out there for parents. And so she did all that she could think to do as a thin woman. And she put a lot of pressure on me from a very, very, very young age, restricting food, forcing activity. Um, and I'm talking like extreme stuff of being in Weight Watchers as like a seven-year-old oh, wow. um, and having to run a couple of miles every morning before school in like elementary and middle school while she would follow me in the car Um having my food weighed and measured when, you know, my sister didn't have that same experience because she was thin, um, crazy stuff. And she would check my weight every single morning. Um, and I remember having to weigh myself undressed in front of her every day and doing crazy things before she would come into the bathroom. Like I would cut my own hair or I would spit into a cup over and over again, or I would do jumping jacks with the shower running really, really hot thinking that if I like, you know, as like a seven year old, you know, what do I know that it would like take some magical number off of the scale. And, um, so there was always a real intense scrutiny on my weight and what that did for me was create a situation where, Food was like this hidden treasure, you know? Um, and so that started a cycle of sneaking food and overindulging because I knew that if I had an opportunity when mom wasn't looking, that I had to like hoard the food and eat it all and crazy stuff. You know, my my dad had a, a coffee can full of quarters in our family RV and I would sneak into the RV and grab handfuls of quarters for like the vending machine at school or the ice cream truck or whatever because it was my way of having control. I mm. felt rejection and it was the only thing that I felt like I could have control over. And meanwhile, I was bullied and I didn't have a lot of friends and I isolated myself. And as I got older, I just put on more and more and more weight and I was very active. I always played sports, mm. even competitively in high school, varsity sports and things like that. And I was obsessed with nutrition. Like I read every diet book out there. I tried everything. I would go on crazy fads. And in college, I actually studied nutrition and biochemistry because I was so obsessed with it. And then I got a job in 
um, the the weight loss sector after college as a 300 plus pound woman um, because it was an obsession for me. And I would wildly swing back and forth between extreme restriction, every diet on the planet. Sometimes I would go months eating nothing but protein shakes and chicken broth. And then I would go months of binging and being totally out of control and not looking in a mirror, not turning the lights on in the bathroom, not leaving the house except to go to work. Uh, and this was my life. It was my cycle. Extreme, crazy restriction versus utter avoidance and just loss of control. And I guess my my choosing to change moment, as you call it, uh, was, I don't know, maybe several years out of college. I had a job where I had been routinely promoted. I was doing really well. I had the respect of my mentors and my colleagues. I had a team of people um, that I was working with and I felt accomplished. I had paid off uh, over $100,000 in debt in a short period of time through you know just discipline and focus and hard work. And I was like, I'm not a lazy person. This is not about a lack of willpower. This is not about just being a schlep that wants to, you know, watch TV and mm -hmm. eat ding-dongs all day long. You know, that wasn't my issue. And if it was as simple as finding a list of food rules and following it, I'd have done it already. Like, I was smart. I knew, quote-unquote, what the rules were. Um, and I was a disciplined, motivated person. It wasn't a lack of that. And I sort of thought... This is such an obsession for me. This is such a focus for me. And I have everything that I think it ought to take. You know, I would work out for hours in the gym and I would be able to consistently follow a diet for a long time. Why haven't I achieved this goal that means so much to me when I can do all these other things? And I realized it's not me. It's the process. It's dieting. So what if I unlearn everything I've been taught through my own experience with dieting, through my own formal education, through my own work in the industry, and just drop the rules that clearly aren't working because I followed them, mm -hmm. right? But right. they created such hormonal chaos in my body. They upregulated my hunger. They upregulated my cravings. They slowed down my metabolism. And I was like, enough of this mess. I am smart. I am determined. I have the willpower it takes. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to tackle on this. But it's not me. It's the approach. So I decided to change the approach. And oh my goodness, transformative. Changed everything in my life. Now... I just I love hearing your story because there are a couple things I want to go back and talk about if it's okay. Um, sure. How how did you flip that switch? Because I, in so many different ways, we're so alike in being disciplined in other areas of our lives, except for food, and then going through those cycles where we're up and down, up and down, you know, can show that incredibly consistent discipline, but then when we jumped off the rails, I mean, we jumped off the rails. Um, yeah. How did you really break through, it sounds like, you know, the issues with your mother um, growing up probably planted that psychological seed of, you know, the, this is a guilty pleasure. How did yep. you break through that and really come out on the other side to be who you are today? I think there are a couple of pieces to that. 
I tend to be a fairly linear thinker. Um, and so I was able, fortunately, the great thing about failing so many times and like doing, you know, hundreds of different diets and never getting to a place where I lost the weight and maintained the weight loss, I had tons of failures to look back on. So I had a lot to learn from. And so when I stepped back and said to myself, okay, let's look at what I've been doing. I would think to myself, well, these diets work because I lost weight. These rules must work because they lead to weight loss. But here's the thing that I realized. I wasn't after losing weight only to put it back on. All I wanted was to lose the weight and maintain a healthy, fit figure for the rest of my life. So if I was doing something that wasn't sustainable and I was putting the weight back on, that wasn't something that worked. That's something that doesn't work. So I had to really change my paradigm. So many people are like, well, Weight Watchers worked for me, not bashing on Weight Watchers, but just for example, anything, sure. South Beach, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it worked for me because I lost 20 pounds. Well, then what? Was your goal to lose 20 pounds and then gain 30? Kind of don't think so. And so I had to look at these hundreds of things I had done and tried and said, they don't work because short-term strategies deliver short-term results. And I wasn't in it for short-term results. So what is a long-term strategy? What is something I can do every day for the rest of my life? And that's not 400 calories a day. That's not HCG. That's not never putting another carbohydrate past my lips for as long as I live. So that was part of the paradigm shift for me. The other part of it was I don't have to be perfect to do this. Mm. And I tended to take on too much. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. and I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and then I'm going to have this for breakfast and then I'm going to have this for lunch. And, you know, our willpower and our focus are finite. And because I was trying to tackle so many things at once, I was never establishing anything as a habit. So as soon as stress came or illness or frustration or a bad mood, I didn't have ingrained habits that just like, hey, I can have a bad day. I'm still going to brush my teeth. Mm. I can have a bad day and I'm still going to like wear underwear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like right. there, that's because those things are just habits. Like we just do them whether it's raining or we're sad or we don't have money. We just do them. And so I really thought to myself, I need to completely eliminate this notion of all or nothing, black and white, perfect or nothing and start to build habits one at a time that are going to sustain me. And the other thing is I really had to get to the fact of understanding what happens when we crash diet. And I had 20 plus years of destroying my metabolism because fat loss, calories do matter, but fat loss is about hormones. It is your hormones that turn on or off fat burning. And so I had to really remind myself, and fortunately I had the benefit of understanding biochemistry, to understand that if we do not eat to balance our hormones, then no matter what we do, we will not get the sustainable fat loss we want because we will downshift our metabolism and keep it there. That's why so many people gain weight after losing it because the process of their diet has slowed their metabolism. So when they get to a point where they're like, okay, good, I've lost that 25 pounds, all of a sudden it flies back on faster than they could have imagined. Well, the process of dieting destroyed your metabolism and I didn't want to do that anymore. And so I felt like if I focused on foods I love, because 
nothing is sustainable if you don't enjoy eating it. Like there's no reason in the world to not enjoy the food you eat. Foods I love that love me back. You know what I mean? It's like, sure, I really liked Hostess cupcakes at the time, but Hostess cupcakes did not love me. (laughs) On the flip side, I really love salmon and salmon loves me back. And I really love a good steak and good steak loves me back. And so I, I really took a more gracious and patient approach with myself to realize, number one, crash dieting does not work because it does not sustain itself over the long term. And number two, how can I really eat to satisfy myself physically and emotionally? I was never doing that before. Mm-hmm. So those were kind of some of the big paradigms that I changed. And you touched on something just now that a lot of the listeners that have been a part of the Choosing to Change podcast for a while, or if it's their first time listening to this, I know struggle with, and that's the idea of emotional eating. What did that look look like for you, and how do you address that in your life and then also with the uh, clients that you coach? That is so huge because we tend to try to escape whatever it is that we're feeling with something that is a distraction, right? Because if we had a terrible day at work and our boss is mad and we missed a deadline and, you know, we had to work late or whatever, so we go get pizza. Well, the pizza has nothing to do with the problem. The pizza has nothing to do with the stress. The pizza has nothing to do with the anxiety. The pizza is not going to solve the problem, but it distracts us from it. And so I really got to a point of asking myself and I determined the fact that if I could script my emotional responses, what emotions triggered my desire to run away from my feelings and numb them with food? Because that's what I was doing. I was like medicating myself with food. If I could really understand what are these triggers, what is the true problem, and then how can I resolve the problem so that it doesn't keep following me, right? right? Because what I would do is I would have a really stressful day at work or I would – like I was well over 300 pounds. I was depressed as all get out, right? Sure. And when I felt lonely or sad or stressed, I numbed myself with food. But the problem is that never resolved the stress, the loneliness, the depression. So I couldn't ever get over it without addressing those things. And so one of the things I teach my clients to do is script out their response. You should know these are the three most common things that trigger me to think about food. And these are the types of foods I think of. And then what most of us don't want to do because it's uncomfortable and we kind of like take away one of the ways that we silence our emotions, identify the arguments you use to talk yourself into something. Mm. So for me, I would always say, it's just this once, I'm going to be better tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be super strict. And sometimes I would go so far as to say, tomorrow I'm going to get up at five and I'm going to have this for breakfast and this is what I'm going to do for my workout. And it was almost like I was excusing anything I do right now because I'm going to be so much better tomorrow. But if I looked back on my historical pattern of behavior, just looking at the history, I was able to tell myself, Elizabeth, that is a lie because you've used that line a hundred times and you keep using it because it's what talks you into this behavior, but you're lying to yourself. And if I wouldn't lie to a customer or a client or a friend or a family member, Why the heck am I going to go every week or every day lying to myself? Mm -hmm. So what are those lies that you tell yourself to talk yourself into it? And sometimes people are like, I don't know. 
So I encourage my clients to script out the pattern and I have them keep a tracking document that we go through together. And basically it's like, you know, I'm stressed out. And when I'm stressed out, I'm thinking about picking up a bottle of wine on the way home, right? And I'm telling myself that I deserve it, that I'm stressed, that I'm whatever. And the first part of it is you don't try and change the behavior. You just document it, right? Just understand it and go through the process. Then once you've done that for long enough that you can say, oh my gosh, I now see these patterns, then we pick one place to sort of break in. Because so many of us go instantly from instinct to action that we see it as one thing. Like I was stressed, so I ate a pint of ice cream. No, 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 it didn't happen that way. Something happened that made you stressed Then you started thinking about ice cream because it would make you forget about this stress even for just the seven minutes it takes you to eat it. Then you have to talk yourself into the ice cream. Then you have to go get the ice cream. Then you have to choose to eat the ice cream. So there's all these things that happen. And if you can just create a tiny little break in the attention, at any point along that spectrum, you can choose a different response. And it doesn't happen overnight and it takes practice. But then the other element of that is I feel one of the most powerful things that we have as, you know, a tool in our toolbox as humans is the ability to choose what we focus on. Mm. If we focus on the things that stress us out, well, of course, we feel stressed. If we focus on the fact that we overslept, that the AC in the car is broken, that we have an impending deadline at work, that the kids are sick, of course you feel stressed out. But there is a whole other arsenal of things that you could choose to place your focus on. You could choose to focus on the fact that you woke up at all this morning, that you have a job to go to, that you have a car to get you there, that you have the blessing of children in your life, right? So we tend to focus on these things that make us feel like crap. But when we notice our mind going there, that's a choice. We can choose to change our focus and be grateful or excited or happy or positive. Is it easy? No. Are the stressors not real? Of course they're real, but it doesn't mean you need to mentally marinate there all day long. Of course you feel like crap. Yeah. And that's, you just hit on so many things that if you're driving in your car, you probably need to either hit pause or you need to re-listen to this episode and write down some of the things that Elizabeth just said, because I, you hit on something for me. Number one, one of my trigger foods is ice cream. Uh, and, and I know you share that love. Uh, number one, I could probably eat a pint of ice cream faster than you, or you said seven minutes. I could probably do it in three, depending <laughs> on the situation. But um, you, as you were unwrapping that, there is a premeditated self-sabotage when we mm-hmm. choose to jump off the rails. When you, you know, it's like I have the choice. It, and it's a continual choice, not only... Yep. I feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. The ice cream is the only thing that I can think of that will help me not feel this way. And then you went through the steps of either going to the refrigerator or I'm going to the grocery store or I'm going to my favorite fast food place to get, you know, whatever kind of ice cream that I want. Then I go through the act of eating it. But it is a deliberate, premeditated self-sabotage. And if we saw that kind of destructive behavior in somebody else, we'd say, you don't need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And yet we allow ourselves to do that to ourselves. 
Oh. And first you have to understand it. You know, I don't expect anybody to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I'm an emotional eater and I always choose wine after a bad day of work. Right. Now I'm going to stop. Like, no, you really need to take some time to be able to understand that behavior and the triggers and how you talk yourself into it and all of that kind of stuff. And when you really understand it, then all of a sudden you will see all these entry points where you can potentially intervene and change course a little bit. It is a process and it is a practice. It's still a practice for me every day. Yeah. And so what you're saying is really, if I'm understanding you correctly, the the mental side of the fat loss game is really the, the most important thing that you are going to deal with in this journey. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not about what we eat. It's about why we eat. You know, if we lined up, I say this all the time, if we lined up 100 overweight people and said, you know, tell me one reason that your what you eat contributes to your weight. They could all do it. That's not the issue. It's not like we're unclear on if chicken breast is going to get us to our goals or <laughs> ice cream. Like we get it. It's the why. It's the why. And so, so many of us hyper focus our attention on the what, but the why is never resolved. So we have to identify what is it that pulls you off track? What is it that weighs you down? I call that your anchor. What is screwing you up every time? You get on a plan, but what draws you up? If we can pull up that anchor, everything gets easier. It, the willpower isn't required when you just stop dragging the anchor behind you. That is huge, and I appreciate you sharing that so much. You touched on depression. Mm -hmm. um, how two a two part question? Number one, I'm sure with the clients that you work with and the audience through Primal Potential, you probably get this question quite a bit, or you observe this and have to address it in your clients. How do you deal with people and the the self-sabotage that they do from talking to themselves in a negative way? Mm -hmm. And then how have you had to navigate that road personally? Well, for me personally, I had 20 plus years of hearing from other people and telling myself, I'm fat. I sneak food. I overeat. I don't have self-control. I fail on every diet. And, you know, it's such a slippery slope because while I felt that those things were descriptive, they were also prescriptive. Mm. I was, that's who I was telling myself I was. So in a situation where I had to make a decision, do I choose this junky food or do I choose foods that are going to take me to my goals? The tape was playing automatically in my head. I had been telling me, you're fat. You have no self-control. You always give in. You overeat all the time. You're an emotional eater. So... I lost the battle every freaking time. I'm, mm -hmm. Obviously, I was describing myself, but I was prescribing myself too. And so for me personally, I had to stop that tape. And so, so often, I didn't even notice it was running. Like I'd wake up and look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I'm so fat. But like, you don't naturally pay attention to those thoughts. They just run through your head all the time. 
And it's not as easy as just turning them off. I mean, they're there. They're they're deeply ingrained in your mind. And so I created affirmations for myself, which I know sounds super cheesy, but it is the only way to replace that negativity that so many of us go through the day thinking like, how does it serve you in any way to walk past a mirror and be like, oh my God, my thighs are huge. It totally doesn't. That doesn't do anything for you. And so instead, I would encourage myself, I am making progress. I am changing my body. I am the only person who can make these changes and I'm doing it every single day. And so I created for myself affirmations and I insist that all my clients do that as well. But, you know, in general, the self-limiting beliefs and self-limiting behaviors, I believe, is the fundamental reason that probably 95% of people have any issue with their weight or their body or their relationship with food, even if they're not overweight, right? There are a lot of people who are not overweight who do not have a healthy, balanced relationship with food or their body at all. And so... I, I actually recently just put together an entire e-course on this, um, overcoming self-limiting behaviors, because that is what holds us back. It's not a lack of understanding about how to make progress towards our goals. It's this fear of failure. It's believing that we can't do it. It's believing that we're fat and we'll always be fat, or we fail and we'll always fail. And we have to reprogram ourselves to think a different way. If you don't do that, you'll always stay in the cycle of like, oh, I was really good following the food rules today, but then I blew it, you know, all weekend long. That is not the issue. The what to eat is not the problem. It's the why we eat. And so it's just like I give the example in the course of driving with the parking brake on. If you get in the car and you realize that you're on the accelerator, but you're not making progress, and then you notice the parking brake is on, you don't then just floor it and be like, oh, damn parking brake, better, you know, really (laughs) lay on the gas. I mean, that would take so much more energy, so much more resources, and you wouldn't make the kind of progress that you could if you just eased off the gas and released the parking brake. And that's how so many people go about dieting, like willpower, 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 and they exhaust themselves and they run out of fuel, and that's why they fall off track ease off the throttle for a second, identify what that parking brake is for you, take a minute to slow down enough to release the parking brake, and then everything gets easier. And that's what I found. For me, weight loss had always seemed like an uphill battle. Like I couldn't do it. It was so hard. I failed all the time. My clients too had that experience. But when I finally realized what was holding me back, it was like, why is this not hard anymore? Why does this feel like it doesn't take so much willpower? And that's what my clients say to me now. They're like, gosh, it was always so impossible to resist X, Y, and Z. And now it just doesn't feel that hard. Well, yeah, it's just like accelerating seems so much easier when you're not having to push to compensate for the fact that the dang parking brake is still on. Right. And that's what it sounds like you do for your clients is that you give them the tools and the strategies to turn the parking brake off, and to pull up the yeah. anchor, like you said That's earlier. That's right. Uh, you, you use a term that I think is so brilliant, and I don't understand why other people don't use it. Talk to us about the difference between fat loss and weight loss. Absolutely. I mean, weight loss is easy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> weight loss, so many people come across weight loss super, super easy. But 
that's not really what we're after. We are after changing our bodies and burning fat. And the problem is when so many people go on these crash diets, they're like, oh my gosh, I lost 10 pounds in a week. Yeah, and I bet you that maybe two pounds of that was fat. So congratulations, you just Mm -hmm. spent a ton of energy and you really didn't accomplish much. We want to burn fat. We want to look leaner. We want our body to be more fit and strong and healthy and toned. And when we just crash diet, we slow down our metabolism and our body actually holds on to our stored body fat because that is the richest source of fuel that our body has. And your body's first goal is survival. So if you go on a crash diet and you drastically cut calories or you eliminate an entire food group or whatever you do, your body doesn't know that the pantry is full of food. Your body doesn't know that there's a grocery store down the street and that you're choosing to do this for whatever crazy reason. Instead, it's like, whoa, 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 fuel's in short supply. We don't know what's happening here. Downshift everything. And it's actually going to sacrifice your lean muscle mass first, which is why a lot of people regain the weight afterwards because your muscle mass is metabolically active. Mm -hmm. So if you start crash dieting and burning through your muscle mass, not only do you get that sort of like flabby look that isn't really what anybody's going for, but then when you've lost the weight, your metabolism is now slower. Congratulations, you now have to eat less and exercise more to maintain your flabbier self. No bueno. (laughs) Yes. Fat loss is a hormonal condition. Fat loss is something that can only happen in the right hormonal environment. And so I don't know anybody that's just after arbitrary weight loss because we don't compete based on the number on the scale. Typically, we're the only one that knows. Unless you're like competing in a, you know, bodybuilding competition where you have to reach a certain weight class, the rest of us want to look good and feel good naked or in our clothes, and that has nothing to do with the number on the scale. So we don't walk around with that number pinned to our shirts. So we're after fat loss, and that is about hormone balance because otherwise it's just weight loss, and that can set you up for illness and disease and just not looking good or feeling good. That is huge because it's – like you said, it's – you went through this unlearning process of everything that you knew about mm-hmm. weight loss, and you've really zeroed in on what's truly important if you are dealing with fat, it's it's not about losing the number on the scale, and that's something that uh, is not going to be any surprise to anybody that's listened to many of the episodes of the Choosing to Change podcast. I tell people, smash your scale into a million billion little bits. Don't listen yep. to it um, yep. because why I, – I have a really good friend that uh, has had a remarkable journey and now – and we've had to talk about this several times um, – He's he lost over 150 pounds of fat, mm. and um, now will get discouraged by the fact that the number is not moving as fast as he wants it to, like it mm-hmm. used to, uh, versus the fact that uh, I have this five to ten. You know, he's down to that. I've got ten to fifteen, maybe twenty more pounds to lose. But mm-hmm. we had a breakthrough conversation because I said, you're not looking at the scale to prove that you've succeeded. If you look back over your food journal and your exercise journal, you know that you succeeded. You're looking at that scale for permission to give, your, to give yourself permission to fail so you can eat that thing that is driving you on the inside. It's like, and it was kind of a breakthrough moment for him because mm-hmm. he realized – 
crap, you're right. You know, I'm looking at this more for the affirmation that the hard work that I did didn't show up in a tangible result that I want to see today. So for yep. that reason, I'm going to jump off the rails and go eat my pint of ice cream and feel better about me for about two minutes. Then I'm going right. to feel a sugar crash and realize, oh, man, why did I do this? And so, well, yeah, and I say to people, if if you're a woman and you wake up in the morning and you pull on your size eight jeans and you look amazing and your butt looks great and your stomach looks lean and you're super proud and then you hop on the scale and it says 514 pounds, you'd be like, that's bananas. Who cares? I look great in my jeans. You know, my mom used to say to me, if somebody says you're seven feet tall and you have green hair, why do you care? Like, you know, you're not seven feet tall and you know, you don't have green hair. All that matters is if you're liking what you see and you're liking how you feel, and that's completely independent of the number. If you woke up and loved the way you look and stepped on that scale and it said like 1,214 pounds, like the number is totally arbitrary. I encourage all my clients to have a pair of goal pants that they try on mm -hmm. once a week and they take a picture in them so that they can see how their body is changing because the scale is not reflective of that. Absolutely. It's just not. It's, it, and it's never going to be. And I don't know, uh, we did an episode about this several several months ago now, where it's like, unless you're going to wear a scale around your neck like Flava Flav right. used to wear that big old clock and say, this mm -hmm. is my number, why do you right. care what it says? Because the only exactly. people that know that number are you and the nurse when you go to the doctor's office and they see 50 yep. people a day. They're not going to yep. remember your number and they don't care. So. Right. And it's just not reflective of that. It's just, it's, it's not. And I do think accountability is important, but I much prefer clothes or waist and hip measurements because okay. that is what is truly indicative of fat loss. Yes. So you need to truly measure what matters. Yep. Another question for you. you when you went through this unlearning process, how did you get started with that? How did you, uh, throw all this stuff that you've you spent a lifetime 20 plus years of fad diets reading everything that you could about nutrition you got a degree you know for crying out loud in nutrition and then you know you're working um in an industry of diet and you know weight loss information mm -hmm. so you you have like all of this misinformation or bits and pieces of the truth um, interspersed with a whole lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. How did you navigate through the process to unlearn and then start to learn the truth? For me, I recognized what I said a few minutes ago, that it wasn't about what to eat. It was about why I was eating. And yes. so I decided for the first time in my life to have a little patience with myself. I was yeah. always like in a race to the next holiday or the next event or the next whatever mental landmark I had established. Like in 30 days, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or something crazy. And I said to myself, I want this for life. I want this to be a permanent change. And so I need to give myself a little bit of grace. And what I really need to do is understand why I'm making these choices. Because if I do not deal with what stresses me out or makes me sad or makes me feel lonely, then I'm going to keep running into that brick wall every other day. So I want to start taking down the brick wall because that was my anchor. That was what was slowing me down. And so the very first thing that I started to do was really become mindful of my thought process around food and my thoughts about myself. Like I had to understand what the roadblocks were mm. so I didn't keep driving full force into them. 
And so I started to keep a journal that I have now all my clients do. And I not only kept track of what I ate, I would keep track of what I ate, how much and when, but also my hormonal biofeedback and anything really relevant in the day, any triggers that made me feel stressed or that made me feel lonely or that made me feel sad because those were the things that for me led to overeating, binging, overindulging, emotional eating, those sorts of things. And so because I understood that fat loss is hormonal, I wanted to understand our hormones are always signaling us. We just think they're random things we feel. We don't understand that they are hormonal signals. So I was keeping track of hormonal biofeedback like shifts in my mood, shifts in my sleep quality, shifts in my hunger, my cravings, and my energy level as well as any emotional triggers so that I could really understand the process. And then I really worked on the mental mindset of just for today because it can be so overwhelming when you have a lot of weight to lose to think like, oh my gosh, I have to do what for how long? And it just feels like you're never going to get there. And I when I was overweight, I had the mindset of I'll start tomorrow. It was always about I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow. Oh, well, it's so-and-so's birthday or oh, well, I have this dinner out or oh, well, I'm stressed out, I'll start tomorrow. So I switched that to just for today. Tomorrow, whatever. We only can get stressed out if we are mentally placing our focus behind us or ahead of us. But if we're right now, we just do the best we can right now. Whatever comes tomorrow, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Don't borrow worry from tomorrow. That's stupid, it's a waste. And so whenever I was faced with temptation, it wasn't like, well, Elizabeth, you can never have a hostess cupcake again. Sorry, fat, you know, fat girl, like let it go. I, I would just say, just for today, I'm going to make a good choice. And sometimes it had to be just in this 10 seconds, I'm going to walk past that donut just for this 10 seconds, <laughs> you know, maybe later. But I, I took the focus of just right now. It's not about the long-term game. It's just about making the best choice. And I still, to this day, I have a little sign on my desk that says, what is my best in this moment? I don't need to worry about making sure I can do my best tomorrow or next month or next year. Just right now. Just right now, what is my best? And then we build up momentum as we do that. And so when we do that, it gets easier and easier. I use the analogy with a lot of my coaching clients about showing up to practice. And if you were a basketball player and you sucked at free throws and you complained about it all the time and every time you get on the line, you know, you throw up a brick and you're so mad about it, but then practice comes the next day and you skip it. You go to the mall, you have something else to do, and then there's another game and you miss all your free throws, but then you skip mm. practice. That's the same thing we do with changing our eating habits. We're like, I'm such an emotional eater. I can't say no to the donuts. I have no self-control after dinner. But every opportunity to say yes or say no, that's a chance to practice. And we only get better when we practice. It only gets easier when we practice. And so if you keep skipping practice, how can you ever expect it to be easy? How can you ever expect it to get better? So by taking the mindset of just in this moment, just for today, I'm going to show up to practice. I'm going to do the work. And, you know, if I still want this tomorrow, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Just for this moment, what is my best? And I've got to tell you, I, I think it was in a newsletter, one of your newsletters that I saw that for the first time. I can't remember if it was a podcast that you mentioned or the newsletter, but as soon as I saw it, something clicked inside of me. And it mm. was that I don't have to worry about the at the time the 25 or 30 pounds that I put back on. It's That's like right. I need to focus on 
dealing with this craving today. And, and you said something, I, I think I really remember reading it in the newsletter, um, about if I'm still having this craving tomorrow at this same time, maybe I'll indulge in that, but I won't today. And right. just having that resolve of if I can just get through this day or this hour or even like right. you said, this next 10 seconds or this minute, uh, yeah. guys, that is a game-changing paradigm for me. And it truly has been. Yeah, and it's just one moment at a time. Sure, if you look at it as, what am I going to do for the next 365 days? Oh my gosh, there's this holiday, there's this vacation, there's this, this. Again, that's choosing your focus. What you focus on, you feel. If you focus on how daunting the road ahead is, of course you feel overwhelmed, but that's a choice. If you focus on just right now, just right now, what is the best choice I can make? Can I defer this feeling? Of course you can. Of course you can, and then it gets easier. But you got to show up and do the work and practice. Now, coming to let's talk about uh, food for just a minute because uh, sure. I, I see the things that you put on Instagram. It's obvious you love food. Uh, I, I, do. Love, I love food, <laughs> but it's it's also obvious to me that you probably love different foods. You already mentioned the Hostess cupcakes, uh, mm -hmm. but how did you make that shift from the foods that you loved? Um, where you were over 300 pounds to the foods that you love today? Well, what I decided to do when I first made this sort of life shift, I initially started with a cheat day. So what I would allow myself for six days of the week, I was going to only choose whole foods, but I wasn't going to force myself to eat anything that I didn't love. So I'm not a big broccoli fan, so it wasn't like broccoli for dinner because it's good for you. No, I, I ate whole foods, but I ate whole foods that I really, really enjoyed, and I didn't limit my portion sizes at that time. I mean, I was over 300 pounds, so I, I just making that transition to whole sure. foods was really, really important. Then when an idea came into my head of a craving or I saw something, some Someone else was eating that I really wanted, I would just make a note of it. And it wasn't like, you can never have this, Elizabeth. It was once a week I was having a cheat day. But the thing that happened over the course of a few months was I started to really love the way my body felt, my energy level, my mood, physically feeling less bloated and weighed down. I craved those foods more, and I noticed that when cheat day rolled around, there was less on my list of mm -hmm. things I wanted to indulge in. And when I thought about, like, gee, what do I really want, I, I didn't really want those things. Now, that didn't happen overnight. It took a few months, and I was losing weight all along. Um, and then I noticed that I was feeling really crappy on cheat day and the days after cheat day, so I decided to let that go. And I moved away from the cheat day model, but I still allowed myself indulgences, you know, here and there as I saw fit. But, you know, your taste buds do change. They absolutely do change. And here's the other thing. When we eat processed foods, those processed food companies pay millions and millions and millions of dollars for food scientists to do a few things. Number one, create, chemically create food-like products that do not trigger our satiety hormones. Mm -hmm. There are hormones that make us feel full and there are hormones that make us feel hungry. And these foods are chemically designed to not trigger our satiety hormones and so we can overeat and overeat and overeat. And they're also chemically designed to trigger the pleasure center in our brain. And so we want more and more just like a drug addict wants a continual high. And so when you reduce those, those foods in your diet, 
diet, you don't crave them as much. And so it was a natural evolution that really didn't require willpower. I just didn't want them anymore. Wow. And what are some of the foods that really work for you? In fact, why don't you do this if you don't mind? Tell us sure. a, t a typical day in your eating, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snack if you have one, just a random mm -hmm. day. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you first that my I don't love rules, but one rule that I have is that I only eat foods I love. If it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to have it, I just don't eat it because I would rather have a day full of experiences where I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Yes. Um, and so I really focus on foods I love. With that said, I work out in the mornings and I'm usually not hungry in the morning. And I also, unless you are a competitive athlete or an endurance athlete or something like that, I think that most of this hype around pre-workout and post-workout is purely to get us to buy product. Yes. And we are meant to move as humans. So most of us, unless you're an endurance athlete or a you know figure competitor, most of us do not need pre and post-workout fuel. I work out hard and I and I don't typically need that. So when I wake up, I have a couple of cups of coffee, and oftentimes I will blend butter into my coffee, kind of the bulletproof coffee-ish mm -hmm. thing. Yes. Um I find that that really curbs my hunger and helps with my energy and my focus because I am a morning person. I get most of my work done in the morning. That just helps me out. So then I'll go and I'll work out uh, and I work out about four days a week, but I walk every single day. Uh, I don't think of walking as working out. It's just movement. Um, and then I'll usually have a pretty big lunch and a pretty big dinner. And it is almost always veggies and meat. Um, so as we're recording this, it is about 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And I am thinking that I am probably going to have three or four cups of Brussels sprouts sauteed with some pancetta for lunch with a little bit of leftover ground bison that I have in the fridge. Um, super quick and easy. I don't, you know, use a ton of ingredients. I keep things really simple. And then uh, for dinner tonight, I think I'm going to make a pizza with a cauliflower rust, uh, crust recipe that I'm, that I'm playing around with. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll be a cauliflower crust. And I might put some chicken on the pizza and some tomatoes and some cheese. And that'll be it. And then if I want something more after dinner, I usually do um, tea with some stevia and some almond milk. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on fruit? I think fruit is delicious. It's wonderful. <laughs> I think that a lot of people think that fruit is neither carb or protein or fat. It's free because it's a whole food. Right. It is a carbohydrate. And I teach my clients and I teach on the podcast the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. Yes. If fat loss is your goal, then fruit is fine, but treat it like a carbohydrate. And so yes. if I'm going to have fruit, I'm going to have it later in the day or post-workout so that I limit its impact on my blood sugar because when we raise our blood sugar and we raise insulin, we turn off fat burning. You cannot burn fat when your blood sugar and your insulin levels are elevated. You can't. It's physically impossible. And that's one of the things. I You had an episode recently where you talked about uh, someone had asked about a banana in the morning. And mm -hmm. you said, uh, I still remember this because it was one of my favorite go-tos back in the day. It's like, if well, if you're going to have a banana instead of a Chick-fil-A biscuit through the drive-thru, yeah, that's probably a great choice. But if mm -hmm. fat loss is your goal, the, the banana in the morning is probably not your best friend. But I love it's not. you yeah. give yourself the permission to make a better choice 
then you, you ultimately have the bad choices, you have the better choices, and you have the best choices. Well, you don't have to necessarily go from bad choices to best choices overnight in order to see some success. Absolutely. Food is always a spectrum. And so people will say like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, you know, I've been having an apple and peanut butter for breakfast for 10 years. Are you telling me that's not healthy? Relative to a bowl of Lucky Charms, eat the <laughs> apple and the, and the, peanut, and the uh, peanut butter all day long. Like that's fantastic. I was having Chick-fil-A for breakfast every morning when I was 300 plus pounds. And when I switched, did I switch to what I have for breakfast now? No, it is a spectrum. And so when I say like save your carbs at night, people panic and it's like make one degree of progress, whatever that is mm. for you, make one slight improvement. If you're currently having two huge bowls of Cheerios, I'm not saying ditch it. I'm saying maybe you go to one and add an egg and then a month later, Maybe you have, you know, a handful of Cheerios and two eggs and an avocado and you're going to continue to make progress, but just move along that spectrum as slowly as you need to, to really establish it as a habit. When we make these stark changes really, really fast, we're much less likely to be able to maintain them. And that's not the end game. The end game is permanent, sustainable behavior change. And that's the key right there. Permanent, sustainable behavior change. And mm -hmm. anything less than that is just trying to reach a number on the scale, and which we've yep. already determined is a recipe for eventual failure. Yep. And so uh, talk to us. You mentioned – I want you to tell us what your typical workouts look like as far as the, the kind of activities that you enjoy that have uh, paid you the rewards that you want for your body. And then talk about walking. I mean, are you speed walking? Sure. Are you – you know – just tell us what that looks like. Absolutely. So I used to be in the very traditional school of thought where cardio is the best thing for fat loss. But yes. I'll tell you what cardio did for me. It made me insanely hungry. <laughs> it made me insanely hungry and it beat up on my body in ways that a 300-pound body should not be beat up on. So chronic cardio, whether it's jogging or an hour on the elliptical machine or an hour-long spin class, it is a stressor on the body. And when we raise those stress hormones, that is prohibitive to fat loss and it increases hunger and cravings. And so a lot of people will be like, I'm exercising all the time and I'm not losing weight. Well, you're probably overcompensating by eating too much because you're ravenously hungry or you're creating such a significant stress response in your body that you're prohibiting the hormonal environment needed for fat loss. So I don't do any chronic cardio. Um, Four days a week, I basically do a weight-based workout, and half of my workout will be pure strength moves like back squat, front squat, bench press, shoulder press, things like that, and then half of the workout will be some type of high-intensity interval workout with weights, so things like kettlebell swings and wall balls, sprinting, um, different things like that that incorporate body weight movements and weighted movements but are going to get my heart rate going. Uh, and then the walking is not a tracksuit huff and puff and speed walk at all. The reason that I walk, other than the fact that our bodies are built for movement and I, like most people, sit at a desk most of the day. Yes. And so I need to move my mass for sure because we're not meant to sit on our butt all day long. Um, but the hormonal benefits of leisure walking are fantastic. It lowers cortisol, our stress 
our stress hormone, and it improves blood flow, which blood flow, optimal blood flow is an absolute non-negotiable requirement for fat loss. And a lot of people overlook that. So it is a great option, especially post-workout, to facilitate the optimal blood flow you need for fat burning. So typically, how long do you work out in the the weight training, the high-intensity interval training, and then how long do you typically leisure walk? I leisure walk for about an hour a day. Okay. Uh, and I have a hundred pound German shepherd who reminds me of how important that is. So, <laughs> so we, we take those strolls together. Sure. Uh, and then my workouts, I would say that the pure strength part is probably about 25 minutes, but there's a lot of rest time in there because right. I'm not going for speed on that. I'm going for power on that. Yes. Uh, and then the interval part is anywhere from eight minutes to probably 18 minutes of solid effort, all out work where, you know, I'm, I'm giving a hundred percent of what I've got. So you're basically saying your gym sessions are about 45 minutes, four times a week. Max. Yeah. yeah. And then an hour a day of just leisure walking. Yep. And that's giving you the, but results. I'll tell you this. Yes. 95% of fat loss results come from what you put in your mouth. And I yep. tell all my clients, do not add on the fitness component until you have the nutrition down. Because like I said earlier, we all have a finite amount of focus and energy and willpower and effort that we can put forward. And you will get far greater results from investing that energy in mastering your nutrition and balancing your hormones through food than you ever will through exercise. And if you only have a finite amount of focus, that is where you're going to get the true benefit. So really focus on the nutrition first. And then when you have that down, you have that effortless, add movement. You can for sure crush your goals without ever setting foot in a gym. So if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. High intensity. No way, Jose. Get it. Got it. No worries. That's not an excuse. Focus on the nutrition. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> because I, Absolutely. I I deal with people on a on a weekly basis that say I'm working out six hours a week and I cannot get the results that I want and then I ask okay what did you eat for your three meals today mm -hmm. and, and that and then there's silence on the other end it's like okay yeah you'll never you will mm -hmm. never out train that bad diet we've heard that that phrase before and it's so cliche but it's so true you know yeah so dial back the intensity, go for a stroll every now and then, again, if you can, but focus your energy. I, I keep things simple. You know, I really, really do. My priorities are about nutrition. And so if it comes down to I'm really struggling with the food side of things, I drop the workouts, period, end of discussion, because mm -hmm. I want to have the mental and physical and emotional energy because that's what drives your results. It's not what you do in the gym. I have two more questions and then we'll transition to some more fun stuff uh, to okay. we'll kind of grind the gears if that's okay. But uh, sure. the, the uh, first question that I want to ask is for that person that's been like me and you that before we had the success that we've had to where we've been able to sustain this for a few years now that they, they know Elizabeth what it is to fail they remind themselves of it on a daily basis and they are down on themselves they are beat up they are discouraged and they desperately want change but they're scared to death to fail again mm -hmm. what word of hope and encouragement and just if you had 
60 seconds to kind of coach them up and just say, I've come through what you've come through. And here's what I would say to you to hopefully help you take that first step toward choosing to change. First and foremost, I would say your failures provide you an awesome opportunity to know what doesn't work for you. And so chances are you've been trying a very similar but slightly different approach over and over again. And so let's let that go. Let's just let that go. And instead of focusing on perfection, let's just focus on one degree of progress. You can lose weight with small changes. Little hinges swing big doors, right? So if we can just identify one thing, and it can be overwhelming, but start just with awareness, becoming aware of your body, aware of your hormonal biofeedback, keeping that tracking document that I talked about, and then from there, pick one change. With my clients, after we master tracking, we tend to just go with breakfast. Let's master a healthy fat loss breakfast. Whatever happens the rest of the day, let it go. Don't worry, that's not your focus. Your one thing is a fat loss breakfast. You have everything it takes. Somebody emailed me once and and kind of described just what you said, like fear of failure, repeated failures, really feeling like they weren't sure if they could do it. And she said, can you fix me? And I said, no, I can't, but you can. I can help you fix you because everything you need is in you. No matter what is happening in your life, nobody can force feed you Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Ho-Hos and Cheez-Its. You are totally in control of what you put in your mouth. And that is a great thing. It doesn't mean it's always easy, but let's ditch the all or nothing approach. Let's ditch the pursuit of perfection and let's shoot for one degree of of progress practiced over time until it becomes a habit and then and only then move on. I think that's amazing advice. Uh, last question that I, I just have to ask, how did the how did you decide you wanted to start the podcast and what's that process been like for you? So I started the blog in July of 2014. And it was cool. It was fun. It was it was all right. Uh, in my previous work experience, I had a lot of experience with public speaking, and I tended to feel really confined by blogging because I was like, "Gosh, there's just so much like feeling and emotion that I don't know how to put into words without like exclamation points and bolds and emoticons and all this crazy stuff." Um, and the other thing was, I feel like struggles with obesity, with weight gain, with Emotional eating, whether you're overweight or not, any distorted relationship with food or your body is very isolating. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted people to hear my voice. I really wanted people to feel like I was in their car with them. I was on their walk with them because that's the way I see it. I'm not doing this for money. 99% of what I do is totally for free. So I'd be screwed if it was. Um, But I wanted people to feel my heart in things because I genuinely do want to take people by the hand and be like, I know it's scary and I know it won't be easy starting out, but it doesn't have to be even one one hundredth as hard as it has been in the past because your approach has been setting you up for it to feel really hard and there is a different way and it's an anti-diet way, like let's all not ever talk about going on a diet ever again. And I really wanted that personal connection with people that I think you really only get when they can hear you or see you. Um, So I started the podcast in January and 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, it's been very powerful. It's mm-hmm. been very powerful to hear people say, oh my gosh, like you've, you've changed 20 years of my history. You've given me hope. I, you know, I feel like we're friends. And, and so it's been really wonderful. Um, there's been a lot of frustrations, but it's been really, really wonderful. I really love it. How has the podcast changed you? I think in terms of podcast topics. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I mean, I'm like, I I am somebody that has a lot of internal dialogue. And now that internal dialogue is constantly like paused by, oh, yeah, and I need to tell them that. And oh, yeah, it's like I wish there was almost like a constant podcast of my internal dialogue because that would just be so funny. Um But, uh, you know, it's changed me in that I always think about what I want to share and how I want to help. And, oh, my gosh, you know, so-and-so just emailed this struggle. The world needs to hear this. And um, that's the biggest thing I would say that it has changed for me, the real desire to serve in such a bigger way that I think I was doing before that. Well, and that you touched on something that I, I, is one of the things that I truly love about you. And like uh, we talked about just before we started recording, uh, there are you can find a lot of the information that Elizabeth mm-hmm. presents uh, in other podcasts. But for me, she presents it in a way where I don't, I don't under, I don't have the science brain that she has. But she presents the information, you present it in a way that I don't feel dumb and that Mm -hmm. I can learn the principles without necessarily knowing how to nerd out about some of the stuff that you nerd out about, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But it's been so helpful to me. But I think the key is, you, you hit on it, the emotional connection that you have through the way that you say the things that you say. Uh, it, you had a interesting episode about soy and, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, a lot of times you'll take a very neutral, very, um, you know, if this works for you, great. If you, if this doesn't work for you and you, you have some very strong opinions about soy that, yep. you know, come out 100%. And it's like, and if I had just read it, I don't think it would have had the impact that it had on me to actually hear it in your voice. And so yeah. that's one of the things that I love. And the other thing that I would say uh, in fact, I think I told you this in an email. Don't apologize for the things that you have to sell because you mm-hmm. give away so much stuff. And yeah. so, and you do it at a quality and a standard of excellence. So I can say 100%, I have benefited from and learned so much from you. And you're seriously, I get a lot of podcasts. I have a job where I can listen to a lot of podcasts where, while I work. But yours mm-hmm. is the one that I get excited to hear. And oh, thank you so much. Yours is the one that has seriously helped me connect. And as I work with clients, I use a lot of your stuff that I hear yeah. with people because you have that heart and that passion to pay it forward and just help people achieve success. And so I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. Well, as we transition, we've talked about a lot of serious things where we've had a lot of um, – listening and learning. I want to invite you to answer three que- or 13 questions where we can learn some very insignificant things about you, but are just a little more fun, if that's okay. Absolutely. Let's so, do it. So let's take a seat in our diamond dozen lightning round. Question number one, roller coasters, yes or no? 
No. Hundred <laughs> percent no. <laughs> no, never. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite hobby outside of uh, podcasting? <laughs> um, I love to read. I'm a big reader. I would say. Okay. What's your biggest fear? Ooh, what is my biggest fear? That's a great question. Um, being misunderstood. Mountains or beach? Both. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> I think you've answered this one, but I'll ask it anyway. Rule follower or rule breaker? Oh, I'm totally a rule breaker. Bring me your rules. I'll break them all. And that's one of the reasons I think you are awesome. Uh, <laughs> you can trade places with any person for a day, a celebrity, a musician, uh, any person on the uh, politician, a person, any person on the planet. Who do you pick to live their life for a day? Oh, such a long list because I'm so curious by nature. Sure. sure. Um, I would have to say Warren Buffett. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be so cool. We probably could learn enough in that day that we wouldn't have to worry about um, a lot of the rest of our life financially. <laughs> so Yeah, high ROI on that day for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite workout song? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I would have to say, and I wrote an entire blog post about why this song um, really motivates me. Uh, it's called Remember the Name by Fort Minor. Okay. What's special about that song? I. Uh, it's just, it's it's all about the hard work it takes and how it's okay. mostly hard work with a little bit of pleasure and a little bit of pain. Gotcha. Um, and it just is very true in suffering through a workout. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, what is your favorite book? I have a million, but the one that I think I recommend the most is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Okay. Uh, it's a great book. Yes, it is. Um, what's one place you've always wanted to go to, but you haven't had the opportunity to visit yet? Again, there are a million. I would have to say maybe the Greek Isles. Okay. You are going to be on a desert island, and you can take either your favorite books or your favorite music. Which do you pick? Books. What's your favorite dessert? Ice cream. Favorite time of the day? Morning. And last question. You can play anybody to play Elizabeth Benton in the movie of your life. Looks aside, which actress do you pick? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, the number of female actresses I can name is probably less than five. Oh, goodness. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to go. I got to go with looks on this one because I don't know anything about sure. any of them. Uh, whoever, is it Jennifer Lawrence that's in the Hunger Games? Yes. I think she's gorgeous and she's got a great body and a beautiful face. So, yes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, congratulations. You've just survived your first uh, sit down in the Diamond Dozen Lightning Round. Well, thank you. And uh, you did a fantastic job. Uh, as we wrap up, I want to ask you some questions that maybe you can take a sentence or two to respond to. They're not nearly as serious as what we started out with and not as okay. silly as what we just finished. But who is somebody who truly inspires you? 
Without question, my grandfather on my mother's side, um, he taught me to always be learning that there are no limits on my potential. And he taught me to be aggressive. And um, I think that that is completely 100% what made me who I am. What defines personal success for you? I would say the ability to be present and grateful no matter what is happening around you. What is your proudest moment or your proudest personal accomplishment? The moment I think I'm still working towards and I think maybe just of my personality I'll never really achieve it but right. the proudest kind of decision to date I would say would be leaving my last job to start Primal. Okay. Um, I liked what I was doing. I had a decent sized team. I was moving up in the company. I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of respect. I was making a good living. Um, and it was a huge leap to say goodbye to that security and that pay and say, I think I can make a difference in people's lives. And especially taking that leap, knowing that I was going to do 99% of what I do for free. Right. Um, it was terrifying, and I tried to talk myself out of it a hundred million times, and I'm just really proud of what it took to get there, and I'm proud of that decision for sure. That's incredible, uh, because I can imagine that's one of the most terrifying things you probably have ever done. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you love to do to relax when you get a chance? I would say read or uh, listen to audiobooks or get a massage. I need it. Mm. What gets you excited about getting up in the morning? You know, I am crazy enough to believe that I can do just about anything imaginable. And I was telling my trainer the other day, I said, you know, I can't be Tom Brady for a number of reasons. I, I can't physically be him. And right. I'm, you know, only five feet, uh, five feet, five inches. Um, but beyond that, I really believe that physically, I can be anything I want. Emotionally, I can create any situation I want. Professionally, there are no limits to what I can achieve. And Really believing that, even when the results aren't necessarily there, is very encouraging and inspiring for me every single day, that whatever life I live is the life I've created. Um, and so every new day is an opportunity to move me in the direction of whatever I want to accomplish. What's a blog, a book, or a video that's a source of inspiration to you that uh, you would share with my listeners? Well, I mentioned uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I also love Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I just think it's super practical and incredibly helpful because sometimes life is hard and we naturally have this kind of yearning to focus on the negative or throw a pity party or excuse ourselves and our behavior and our choices because life is tough. And so I really love and appreciate anything that says, if you're down, it's because you're choosing to focus on things that bring you down. Um, and, you know, starting a business and kind of being a little bit of a public personality with the podcast and the blog and whatever, it opens you up to stress and criticism yes. and frustration and fear and uncertainty. And so for me, I believe that motivation is something I have to create for myself every day. And a big part of that 
is anything, and those two books are great examples of things that remind me that I determine how I feel. Outside circumstances, whatever, um, you know, it's, I saw on Instagram the other day, and I, I'm sure it was a quote attributed to somebody, and I can't remember it, but it just popped into my head again. It basically said, a boat can be in the biggest ocean, but it's not going to drown unless it lets the water in. And we can be surrounded by all this negativity, but it cannot impact us unless we let it in. And so that's a choice. And so things that motivate me are, are those two books because they really help me to focus on the good things because there's always good things. Yes. What is your favorite workout activity? Um, I love back squats and deadlifts because I don't know. I, I love to work my legs and my butt. Okay. What is uh, your least favorite workout, but you continue to do it because it works? Wall balls and burpees. I hate them. They stress <laughs> me out. I hate every freaking second, but they absolutely work. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the burpees. <laughs> They Gosh, do. They suck. They suck, but they are powerful. <laughs> so, they are. Um, they are. And I remember the first time I did one, and it took me probably felt like a minute and a half. I'm sure it didn't take <laughs> quite that long, but it, it felt like it. I um, hear you. Um, if you did die unexpectedly today, what would you want to be said about you after you're gone? That I really, genuinely wanted to help people. At the end of the day, what puts a smile on your face? I think the same exact thing that really motivates me and gets me excited in the morning. Mm. And that's knowing that whatever limits we're on today, they're not on tomorrow unless I choose to put them on tomorrow. Um, I can create anything I want. And so I can look back on the day and either I took steps forward or I didn't. But either way, it was all because of choices I made. And so that just really... Um, is encouraging to me. Uh, what's next on the horizon for Elizabeth Benton and Primal Potential? Well, I recently put out on the blog that, um, you know, we have about six months left in the year. And because the first half of the year for me, I, I started the podcast. I started coaching clients one-on-one. -on -one. I launched a few e-courses. It was a real heavy focus on the business. And now that I feel really comfortable with kind of the process and what it takes and what it requires of me and my time, I am going full throttle into my physical goals um, through the end of the year. And so I'm working with a new trainer and I have some really, really intense goals because I'm, I'm a dreamer enough to feel like I don't have to ever settle for average or good enough or whatever, that I have some pretty intense physique goals that I want to achieve um, primarily because I'm stubborn enough to just want to prove to myself that I can. So for the next six months, while I'll absolutely be doing the podcast and e-courses and coaching, um, my primary focus is going to be on crushing some, some personal goals that I have for my strength and my fitness and my body. Awesome. What are the best ways to connect with Primal Potential and the best ways to reach out to you if someone were interested in pursuing you for coaching? 
Well, the one thing that I really encourage everybody to do, whether they follow the blog or they listen to the podcast, is get on my email list mm -hmm. because that gives you direct access to my inbox. And I encourage everybody to reach out, introduce yourself, tell me your story, tell me your goals, because though the podcast I host, I really see it as this the podcast of my listeners. Like, I want to know what your struggles are. I want to know what trips you up. I want to know your goals. And then that's what I want to cover on the podcast. So getting on the email list is a great way to open the communication with me. Um, on primalpotential.com, there's my ebook, which is about hormone strategies for fat loss, how we can really balance our hormones to get our body into fat burning mode. Uh, and then I have a couple of e-courses, one of them on carbohydrate strategies for fat loss, because that's such a misunderstood area with yes. so much misinformation. Um, and then another one on building sustainable habits for fat loss, kind of going through the approach I talked about of one thing at a time, building it together. And I identify the most common, what I call big rocks for fat loss, sort of the 80-20 rule, the things that really drive results, and then coaching you on implementing them. And then the most recent one, which is on overcoming the emotional side of things, the self-limiting beliefs and behaviors and emotional eating. Um, so that's on there. One-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, I don't take on a whole lot of clients, but if you feel like it might be the right thing for you, emailing me directly is the best way to do that, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. So signing up for the email list is the number one thing that people need to do from the Choosing to Change podcast to be able to connect with you. And then for also, sure. if they've never listened to an episode of the Primal Potential podcast, uh, what would be two or three episodes that you'd say start here? Well, the most popular episode is how to make breakfast a fat burning meal, which I think is Q&A six, um, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. Um, but that goes through the components because a lot of people when they're like carbs at night, what the heck do I do for breakfast? Right. right. Um, so how to make breakfast a fat burning meal goes into the components of breakfast, but then also gives a lot of recipes and meal ideas for grab and go options or heat and eat or make ahead of time. Um, so there's lots of recipes and lots of great information on that episode. And then I think that the episode on carb timing is really important to understand why we want to time carbohydrate consumption in a certain way to really get us into fat burning mode. And then the other one is carb spillover. What happens uh, when our carbohydrates are stored as fat, what puts us in that situation where they are not burned for energy and they are more likely to spill over, be converted to and stored as fat. Do you have a favorite episode? I'm a science geek. The episodes <laughs> I love are the ones that don't really resonate as much, the ones that are really more um, science heavy. Um, I love the dairy episode. That okay. has got to be one of my favorite ones. Okay. Uh, and I would say, you know, I... I love your probably the other side. Yeah, I probably resonate resonate with a lot of your listeners. I was just scrolling through your feed. Um, episode forty three is one of my favorites. It's your favorite fat loss things, mm -hmm. and then a recent one that I just absolutely love. I've listened to it four times. I made my wife listen to it. I've had other people listen to it. Uh, is episode fifty two your random show? And, oh, yeah. And so uh, I don't know if they've been popularly downloaded. They are two of my favorites. So because episode 54 is a real popular one too. how to make fat loss easy. Yes. And it's very good. Uh, it's it's funny to me that it's just um, 
I, in those type of episodes, I think we get glimpses of your personality like we've really gotten yeah. uh, in this interview. And I cannot thank you enough. This has just been an absolute treat for me. And I have one more question before I let you go. Can can we check in again in about six months and see how you did? And maybe would you come back on as a guest for me? Absolutely. Anytime. Six weeks, six months, whatever you want, for sure. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth Benton, you have been a huge influence on my journey. And I want to thank you again for that. But I also want to encourage every listener out there uh, go to one of the episodes that either I've recommended or Elizabeth recommended uh, for you to check out for the Prime Potential podcast, but definitely make sure that you sign up uh, to be part of her VIP newsletter. Seriously, it's one of the things uh, in an email box that gets flooded with uh, 200 emails a day. The couple mm -hmm. of emails that I get a week from Elizabeth Benton, I read start to finish and read multiple times, many times. So I cannot thank you enough for being our guest on this episode of the Choosing to Change podcast, and I can't wait to catch up with you again. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely my pleasure, and I hope to hear from some of your listeners. Wow. Again, that was probably one of my favorite opportunities to sit down and talk with somebody. And so much of it, for me at least, was like trying to take a sip of water out of a high-powered fire hose. Elizabeth has so much information and is such um, a helpful person. And I, I've got to tell you, as I said in her intro, that I don't think I've encountered anybody in the uh, fitness and nutrition world that I didn't know to be such a delight to talk with and such a helpful and gracious person. And just to put things in perspective, um, we have a few hundred listeners that show up from time to time here at the Choosing to Change podcast. Elizabeth has a few thousand listeners that show up on a regular basis, two, three times a week to listen to her. So if I am a roadie in the podcast world, she is most definitely a rock star. And I appreciate her giving me uh, in such an incredibly gracious and kind way the rock star treatment uh, as we uh, interacted and uh, became uh, very friendly getting to know each other as we uh, set out to do the podcast together. And I can tell you already, I can't wait to have her on again because I learn from her every week. She seriously helped me through just through a podcast and just through a couple of emails, kind of tweak my nutrition when I was having some challenges when I was working a night job, going back to a desk after working in a retail environment for a number of years. Uh, she just was a huge help for me to be able to begin to fight the battle that I needed to fight in order to win the war with my body and the hormonal changes that were going on. So I really appreciate her help and seriously, encourage you uh you know it's like any other podcast it may not be your cup of tea but it is completely worth checking out go to primalpotential.com and if you are on itunes i guarantee you hitting the subscribe button and listening to her podcast will be something that will help accelerate your knowledge of what it is to lose fat and live a life that's much healthier as we close out this week's edition of the choosing to change podcast i just want to say thank you again for all of the kind comments, the um, Facebook messages, the emails, and I love hearing how this show is impacting your life. And thank you so much 
for hitting the download button or streaming us every week. It's um, it's a labor of love. It's something that I just fully enjoy doing, and I can't imagine uh, not doing this uh, twice a week for you guys. And I'm even considering the possibility, even though I feel a little crazy about talking about it, going to three days a week at some point in the near future. So uh, the two things that you can do to help the Choosing to Change podcast continue to have influence in the lives of those who need to hear it are to tell a friend and to give us a rating on iTunes. And of course, just keep listening. So if you have anything that you want to share with me, please don't hesitate at all to reach out to me. I'm Nolan Bobbitt on Facebook. I'd love to be your friend. You can go to the Facebook page. It's Facebook, facebook.com forward slash choosing the number two change today. Uh, you can also email me, Nolan, N-O-L-A-N, at choosing the number two change.com that's nolan at choosing to change.com and until next time rethink renew redo those are the three foundational principles of choosing to change and owning your life if you have questions or comments about this show feel free to contact us by visiting www.choosingthenumber2change.com there you can check out previous episodes and stories you can also leave us a comment shoot us an email and find us on twitter and facebook everything you need is at www.choosingtochange.com raymond digital productions